morning. Can we take those lights off, lads, please? If you could do that, it'd be great. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, I'm reading from the message. And I'm reading from John 13, John 15, and John 17. So in the next uh, minute, few minutes, if you just bear with me while I read these scriptures to you, and then I'll tell you exactly where we're going. Children, I'm with you only for a short time longer. You're going to look high and low for me, but as I told the Jews, I'm telling you, where I go, you're not able to come. Let me give you a new commandment, love one another. In the same way I love you, you love one another. John 15, this is my commandment, love one another in the way that I have loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on, on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm not, I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't know what the master thinks or plans. No, I'm naming you as friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from my father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you into the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relationship to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. John 17. I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of them and their witness about me. The goal is for all of them to become One heart, one mind, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So there might be one heart and one mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I gave them, so that that they'll be unified together as we are. I in them and you in me. Then they'll be mature in their oneness and give the God... Give the godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way that you love me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me right where I am so they can see my glory, the splendor you gave me, having loved me long before there was even a world. Righteous Father, the world has never known you, but I have known you. And these disciples know that you sent me on this mission. I have made you your very being known to them, who you are and what you do, and continue to make it known so that your love from, from me might be in them exactly as I am in them. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Praise be to God. Um, I thought it was very clear uh, when Phil asked me to speak this morning, he said, just choose what you want to speak on. And uh, Christian and myself, he said, are going to do exactly the same just for two or three weeks so that we can just go into the summer break. And when he said that to me, I was very clear as to what I was going to share. I was clear in where I was going and what I was going to try and do. And uh, so I was quite, as quite happy. And then on Tuesday, we went away to a uh, get-together of ministers and leaders and so on in Stafford. And the whole day, the whole day, Gordon MacDonald spoke about relationships. 
And one of the things that wrecked me in my original thoughts as to what I was going to bring to you this morning was the fact that he said that when all is said and done, when all is said and done, the most important thing in life is relationships. And I began to think about this. And he began to talk about the people that he wants around him when he dies. Now he's 70 something. He wanted, he, hold on a minute, you know, that's relationship. And the thing is that when you think about your life and my life, that when, when your husband, your wife, your child, your grandchild, whatever it may be, is taken from you, and you take all those relationships away, you are left with absolutely nothing. And when you die, if you're not in right relationship with the Father through the Son, you're in trouble. So relationships are the most important thing that you and I can be involved in in life. Now all these words that I've read to you this morning are from John's Gospel. They are the dying words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't an Englishman. He didn't get involved in talking about the weather. He cut it to the quick and he started to share things that were so important to him before he went. He got right down to brass tacks. And he spoke about his death. He spoke about their failure to him. He spoke about the resurrection. He spoke about the Father's house. He spoke about the return to the Father. He prayed that if you ask anything in harmony with my will, it shall be done. He spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit. That even though Jesus was physically going to leave them, they would never be left alone because the Holy Spirit would be with them. And in these words that I've shared with you this morning, there are three lots of words that speak to, speak to us about three different relationships. First of all, it speaks about Jesus loving them. Secondly, it speaks about the disciples loving Jesus. And thirdly, it speaks about the Father's love. And every one of these different avenues of love are to do with relationship. You can't get away from it. I trust that you this morning are in right relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son. Because if you're not, you can come into that relationship this morning. But now, having said that, and looking at what's before us this morning, I want to say to you, how can we look at Jesus and looking at these verses of Scripture, and how can we begin to look at the Saviour's love? How can we prove to ourselves that Jesus, Jesus actually loved them? And when I begin to look at the, these scriptures, let's try and see the Saviour's love for them. And wherever Jesus went, whatever Jesus did, he was involved in people all the time. He had incredible compassion. He just loved people through and through. The, most, the more impossible the case the, the more he gravitated to them. Quite incredible. So he had incredible love. So this love, it had no bounds for people. And then we come from loving people in general. And this love that he had for his disciples was not any different. It was the same love that he loved the world with, but it was sharpened through one thing. And it was relationships. And as you know, historically, that it's been shared from the platform 
no end of times that Jesus had three forms of relationship. He had relationship with the twelve, where he he, uh, discipled them, looked after them, loved them, cared for them. And then there was discipleship with three, which was Peter, James, and John. And he took them on special missions with him. And they saw incredible things, even the transfiguration, where they saw the glory of God. And then there was one man by the name of John that he had a very unique relationship with. It doesn't mean to say he didn't love the rest as the same as he loved these people, but he, he loved them exactly the same, but the relationship was different between them. Now, the reason why they say about John uh, loving Jesus um, in the way that he did, uh, sorry, was closer to Jesus was simply because that when they were breaking bread and they would lay down and rest on their arms and they would have conversation around the room But Peter felt so confident and was so close to Jesus that he came and he rested his breast, uh, rested his head on Jesus' breast. And so we interpret from that that he had a relationship with with the Son, the Lord Jesus, a little bit more than the others. I described this in the first meeting this morning of training, being part of the training of being a scuba diver, One of the times that you've got to do with all the paraphernalia on, with wetsuits on, dry suits on, cylinders on, regulators on, mouthpieces, masks, all sorts of gear on. And you've got to rescue another diver. And one of the things when you're training is, is to to swim towards the the, uh, person that's supposed to be in difficulty, get get hold of something on them, which it doesn't matter what it's called, grab hold of this thing and then you've got to swim backwards and every so often you've got to just slow up, close their mouth and then blow up their nose to cause them to breathe. Now that's what happens in the real thing. But when you're training, now can you imagine this thing to do with the man, John, putting his breast, putting his chest on Jesus' breast. A bit unusual So I decided that I would practice with Christian, you know, doing this. So here I am, I'm swimming along, and to to simulate the blowing up the nose, what I've got to do is I'm dragging him along, keeping his mouth shut. That's novel, isn't it? So we'll shut that for a start, okay. And then I've got to lean over him while I'm holding him at the back here by the scruff of the neck. Is this this... Is this the shirt I bought you? No, it's not. It's okay then. This this shirt. Okay. And then what I do is I've got to go on his forehead. Just let me pucker up a bit. Oh, please. Not again. And I've got to go. You see? So that the instructor can hear that you're actually blowing. And, uh, yeah. So that you can see... So, and the thing is that I, I'm doing it with people that I don't know. So you can imagine how peculiar it was because I have no relationship with them. I'm all right with him. So there had to be that unique relationship with, with John and with, and with Jesus so that, they could, so that he could just put his, his, uh, his head on, on his breast. Now, having said all that, it's, it's quite fantastic, this relationship that they had together. And I want to just share with you just for a few moments about 
how did Jesus love these disciples? Because we have no record of him doing any miracles for them. We have no record of him healing any of them. The only, the nearest that we can get to it is that that Peter's mother-in-law was sick and Jesus healed her. But that's about it. We have no record. So if Jesus loved them, how did he love them? How did he show his love for them? The first thing is not profound. None of this is profound. But the first thing I want to say to you is Jesus proved his love to them because he wanted to be with them. He spent time with them. He spent relational time with them. He wasn't just a ship passing in the night, but he built relationship with them and he wanted to be with them. I said in the first service that now that uh, my daughter and uh, son-in-law and the children have now gone to live in Spain, I'm spending incredibly more time with Carol. And, and rightly so. And I want to be with her. Well, why? Because I love her. Uh, you'll have to ask her if she wants to be with me. But anyway, she, she's, she's on security with the baseball bat. She feels a bit insecure, you know, so she'll be all right, I'm sure. She's got Irene with her, so she'll be, she's bound to be all right. Okay. And the thing is that it's true that when we love somebody, we want to be with them. But then the second thing that I want to say, he showed his love by accepting them. There were two people among the 12 of them that one was called John and the other was called, and I can't think of his name, John and, um, oh, let me find my name, Um, James, James and John. And they were known as the sons of thunder. And when I go through this description, I can't help thinking they're talking about me. But anyway, they were arrogant. They were aggressive. They just said it as it was. They were just absolutely in your face. They were known as the sons of thunder. Because wherever they were, wherever they were, there was thunder. And they caused chaos. Excuse me. Excuse me, but... He never condemned them. He just accepted them as they were. I'm not saying he wouldn't change them. He changed them. You better believe it. But at that time, he accepted them just as they were. He loved them by showing how patient he was because sometimes they just didn't get it. But he was still patient with them. He loved them because from time to time, he said, listen, we're going too great a knots here. We need to slow down a bit. We need to come aside and rest a while. And he brought them to quiet places where there's no particular spiritual activity of praying for people and, 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 and so on and so on and bringing deliverance to people. Let's calm down. And he was concerned about their well-being because of the speed that they were traveling and the things that were doing. He loved them by rebuking them, but he never did it in public. He loved them by defending them because they were criticized by the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they were eating and they hadn't washed their hands. They were taking corn from the fields and it was a Sabbath day. But what did Jesus do? He did what any other good friend did. He defended them. He defended them. And Jesus showed his love to these men in different ways. He loved them when they couldn't handle situations and he stepped in to help them. He loved them when they said, when he said to Peter, listen, Peter, he says, Satan has chosen you to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Thank God 
for that. I've prayed for you. I know the battle you're in. I know the struggle you're in, Peter, and you disciples. But I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm hanging in with you. And do you know, friends, the truth of it is, Jesus got angry with hypocrites, with money changers, but he never got angry with the disciples. He never got angry with them at all. He never broke his relationship with them. He never criticized them. He knew all their faults and failings, but never exposed any of them. I said in the first service, when I say I said in the first service, it's simply it's not in my notes. I said in the first service that I was traveling with four people and we, and one guy got out and pastor driving, another guy there and me in the bike and got out. And within the time we dropped him off to the time he, I was dropped off, it would probably be about a mile, a mile and a quarter. And this pastor started ranting and raving about this guy that had got out of the car. So he came to drop me off. And as he's dropping me off, I just said, Werner, I just need to say to you, I'm just wondering what you're going to say about me once I've got out of the car. I said, because the last, last mile and a half, you've got stuck into that bloke and you've called him from a dog to a pig. I said, I wonder what you're going to say about me. He said, Eric, please pray for me. Jesus was not like that. He saw all the faults. He saw all the failings, but he never regurgitated them. He never spread them about and said, did you know? Did you? And you know, we're so guilty of that. I don't see he's the only one that's guilty. We are guilty of that kind of, of doing. But Jesus never exposed them. In Gethsemane, he never handed them over to the soldiers in actual fact, he handed himself over and said, look, they've done nothing wrong. Let them go. Wow. Let them go. This is nothing to do with them. Just let them go. And they went on their way. And the truth of it is that Jesus just showed them how he loved them. When Peter denied him, the scripture just gives us a little reference as to what happened. When Peter had denied him, and he said he would never, he would die for him. He wouldn't deny him at all. And Jesus said, well, you know, the cock's going to throw, crow three times. And by that time, you'll have denied me three times. And it happened. And somehow in the trial where Peter was and where Jesus was, there was eye contact. The Bible says, and Jesus looked at him. Didn't condemn him. Didn't criticize him. Didn't tell him, well, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? I told you so. Not a word. Because he loved him. Jesus gave three years to them. And he loved them and gave himself for them. And it's summed up in one word. And it's relationship. It's relationship that we've got to live by. It's relationship that we all thrive in. Whether we think that we don't. We do. We thrive in places of relationship. So now, having looked at the way that Jesus loved them, what about the way that the disciples loved him? Love that's one way is absolutely miserable. It's miserable. So let me get me these, keep flirting up. Love that's one way is miserable. When we give love away, when we give friendship away, we're looking for a response. And when God sent Jesus to planet Earth, he was looking for a response. 
And he was looking for some kind of a response that would, that would be meaningful. And so when we begin to look at this, where Jesus was looking for a response, we find in Scripture that it is quite interesting. We look at this, and we look at these people, and we look at these disciples. But how, how do we show God we love Him? Oh, yeah. Go to church? No. Or read the Bible? No. Uh, well, witness? No. Always be praying? No. There is only one acid test of you and I proving that we love Jesus is Jesus' words and his commandment. A new commandment that I give you, give to you is that you love one another. But then on top of that, Jesus said to them, the only way that you can prove that you love me is by keeping my commandments. Let me be a bit edgy. Do as you're told. And that's, you can't, if you want to be sweet and nice about it, keep my commandments. If you want to be sharp about it and in your face, and you know that over the years I've specialized in that, do as you're told. Do as you're told. And there is no other way. Yes, prayer will spill out of that. Church will find its place in that. Prayer is uh, witnessing it. All sorts of Christian activity will find its place out of this. Loving Jesus through obeying his word. Can I ask you this morning, and I don't really have time, but I think it's crucial. Are you living according to this book or according to how you think? How's your lifestyle right now are you living according to how God wants you to live? Or are you living according to what you want to do? It's only you can answer that. And friends, I want to say that we can pretend that we can do this and we can do that and we can do the other and it will please God. The only thing that proves to the Lord that we love him is by keeping his commandments. Last week we broke bread. Oh, it's something you do. No, excuse me. No, it's not something we do. It's something that we've been told to do. In a few weeks' time, in July, we'll have a baptismal service. Oh, it's something you do. No, no. No, it's not something we do. It's something that Jesus told us to do. So we try to walk in obedience to that. And friends, I trust that all our lives and all our different journeys, we're trying or we are in training to walk in obedience to God's word because it's crucial. It's the way that we prove to God that we love him. No, don't do that. Just obey his word. No, don't do that. Just obey his word. Or everything will spill out of loving him through obedience. Now, three times Jesus said to them, love one another. And an outstanding proof that you and I love God is when we love God's people. And it's amazing how many people are slipshod about church. Oh, I'll go, on. I'll go once a week. That's me. No, I'm not getting involved in prayer. I'm not getting involved in, in connect groups. I'm not getting involved in uh, growing taller, uh, digging deeper to grow taller. No, I'm not bothered about um, from here to eternity. I, I, I'm not bothered about any of that. Well, I want to tell you, friends, that when we come together, we can grow together. And we can learn to love one another together. 
And it's absolutely crucial. I want to tell you that Jesus doesn't take his church lightly. He takes it very seriously. Gave his life for it. He's passionate about his church. Don't you be indifferent about it. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll fit it in sometimes. I'll tell you what. Jesus just didn't fit the cross in sometimes. He died for you and for me and for the sins of the world. And out of that, the church of Jesus Christ was birthed. I want to tell you, at the end of the day, the thing that will be left standing on planet Earth is the church of Jesus Christ that will be absolutely triumphant and glorious. Not a, no lonely amen in there somewhere? Is there an amen somewhere? There's got to be an amen. Am I in a Baptist place here this morning? No wrong with Baptists. Just keep baptizing. Be all right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So, <clears throat> having said that, we've got to love God's people. Now, the thing is that what Jesus was saying when he said to them, love one another, he said, in effect, look, if you love one another, you'll stick together. You'll stick together through thick and thin. Amen? Yes. And if you love one another, you'll not only stick together through thick and thin, but you'll share joys and sorrows together. Amen? If you love one another, you'll commit yourself, commit your life to each other. You'll give your lives to each other. And the spin-off is of that, the spin-off of us getting it right in here, Jesus says, and the world will see, if you love one another, the world will see, the world will see that you are my disciples. So here is another form of evangelism that I have never seen before. Because we're wanting to be rushing out there and we're thinking that showing our love to God is loving, loving outside and loving the community. There is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But Jesus said, get it right in-house. And then people outside will see. Now while we are away on Tuesday, it was mentioned about the, some of the early pastors in the Celtic, uh, Celtic period where these men of God went up and down the nation uh, creating communities. And the communities were renowned for loving one another and serving one another and wanted to lay down their lives for one another. And what happened to these communities was that when they started in villages, it was like another, another village was starting next to the village because people were seeing how people were laying down their lives for one another, wanting to serve people, wanting to encourage people, wanting to bless people. And they were joining and coming to a living faith in Christ. I want to say to you this morning, that's an evangelism like I have never heard of before. That when we get it right in here, when we love one another, when we want to lay down our lives uh, for one another, I want to say what a difference that would make. The trouble is that the world sees us loving the building, loving the songs, loving the fellowship, loving the ritual. And you go three months and you've got a ritual. Loving the new minister, at least for, for a fortnight. Loving the denomination. And all that tells the world nothing. And they don't see us loving one another. Please don't think the 12 found it easy. They didn't. They found it incredibly difficult. But how did... How did Jesus go about loving them? How are we going to go about loving one another more than we do at present? Well, Jesus, for three years, he poured his life 
into a connect group of 12 people. And he loved them. He loved them. And the more they loved one another, the more people came to faith. The more demonstration of the grace of God was spread abroad as they saw these people loving one another. With all their faults, with all their failings, with all the disasters of their life, with all the conflict of personality, they just somehow work through it, work through it. How sad when there's conflict in the church that people feel the necessity feel the necessity to leave and go somewhere else because it's going to get better. I said this morning, we have had people go from here. This is not being critical. This is, this is truthful. They'll go from here and not solve problems. They'll take their problems with them. Like I said to our Joy and Mark when they went to live in Spain, remember who turns up when you get to Spain. Well, what do you mean? Well, you turn up with all the problems and all the difficulties. So you move to another church and you bring all the problems. But people that have stayed in house and worked through it have grown and developed and matured and, and been loved through it all. And friends, I want to say this morning, we need to love one another. And Jesus poured his life into a connect group. But then he had three other people in that connect group that he was close to, quite close to. And then there was one that he had a special relationship with. I want to say when I think about loving a connect group, I think I can do that. I think I can start on a journey to do that. When you talk out, out of that 12, two or three other people to relate to on a deeper level, I can do that. And so can you. And when it comes to that special one, we've always got that special one that's just that little bit closer than anybody else. I can do that. And so can you. And friends, we need to see the grace of God touch our lives in such a way that relationships are formed. And we're not a club, but we are a culture of loving one another that the world may see that we are Christ's disciples. So we have shared about Jesus loving them. We shared about being um, the disciples showing their love in obedience and the instruction to love one another. But finally, behind all that we've said, we are shown where the fountain of love comes from. From John 13 to John 17, the word Father is mentioned 50 times. 50 times, okay? So... Everything Jesus said was in connection with the Father. Prayer is asking the Father. The Holy Spirit is sent by the Father. In my Father's house are many mansions. I am the vine. My Father is the husbandman. Jesus, in effect, was saying, behind my love is the, is the Father's love. He is the fountain and the source of life and of all love. And friends, remember, before there was a universe, before there was a star, before there was a planet, God the Father loved Jesus Christ, God the Son, with a passion. And if he hadn't have done, Jesus would never have come to planet Earth. And if Jesus had never come to planet Earth, we wouldn't be here this morning. Now listen to what Jesus said. The Father loved me. That's why I can love you. 
And at the last meal, with the last night, on his last prayer, John 17, 26 says this, And I have declared unto them your name, and will declare it, this is what I'm after, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. So this tells me that we are not told to love with a natural love, like we love a wife, a husband, a child, a grandchild, or whatever. But we're in a position here where we don't have that kind of love that will go much further. But Jesus is praying here that the love that the Father has will come into us. And how is the love of the Father going to come into you more and into me more? It's one word, relationship. And the more I spend time with the Father, the more His love is going to flow into my heart and flow into my life. I want to tell you, I want to be the first to admit, I haven't got this together yet. But I can see it here. And the thing is that none of the pastoral team can help you to do it. We will ever, we'll either seek after the Father and this love that He's speaking about, which is a love that's so unfathomable, it's fantastic. And then out of that, there flows to people. I pray the Father that your love may be in them. Your love, Father. Not their love. Your love might be in them. Draw from, this, from His love and start, by, start your training by loving that small group. And then let it develop into developing more relationship with people that you can have a deeper relationship. And then don't forget the one who you have that special relationship going on. What is this all about? Let's give ourselves to relationship that speak to the world that Jesus Christ is alive and well. Amen. Father, please help us. Every single one. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.